You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. Well, good morning, Christ Walk. How is everybody doing today? I am excited. I've got my Kentucky Cup up here. I'm representing. Um, Yesterday, we celebrated... Uh, I say we as if all of y'all were doing it with me, but um, the uh, the Kentucky women's volleyball team won their first ever national championship yesterday, and so um, there's a couple people in the house that are excited about that. A couple people are like, they got women's volleyball in the SEC. We didn't realize that. We thought it was all just football, and that's it. No, it's actually more um, than just that, but uh, so I'm excited today. It's already been a good day. It's going to continue to be a good day. I'm pumped about um, what we're going to be talking about today in this series that we are kicking off. So if you got your Bible, you got a smart device, why don't you turn with me or swipe with me to the New Testament. We're going to be in Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth. So 2 Corinthians, and we are going to land in chapter 4 here momentarily. Now, um, I am a guy who from time to time frequents a fast food restaurant. I realize that by looking at me, You may not think that, but it's because I have on a black t-shirt and black is very slimming. Um, But do not be deceived, this body was built by Taco Bell. And once, uh, not too long ago, I went to a fast food restaurant early in the morning to grab some breakfast. And when I pulled up to the drive-thru menu and, and the person that was inside of the store greeted me, I heard something like this on the speaker. I was like, what in the world? I said, I, I'm sorry, could, could you repeat that? And I heard back, hammer. I was like, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm having some trouble understanding you. Do you think maybe you could, you know, is there something we can do? And so the, the garbled noise just came back a third time, only much, much louder. You could tell that the person on the inside was acting like it was my problem. And so since when did someone saying, I'm having trouble understanding you, that the solution for that is we just proclaim what was originally misunderstood at even a higher volume. Like, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, right? Like, that's not helping anything. And, and, and this went back and forth, just this garbled nonsense coming across the speaker a few more times before I finally got frustrated and fed up enough that I just drove around and talked to the person at the window face to face. And I said, hey, you need to know that your speaker is broken. And they had no idea. See, inside the restaurant, they were communicating very clearly. And they they didn't realize that on the outside that the speaker was broken so that people in the drive-through lane couldn't get a clear message coming through. And when I look at Christ followers, myself included, in 2021, here are some of the perceptions, some of the things that I take note of. Most of them walk around, most of us walk around with the Bible app on our smartphones. Most of us follow uh, pastors, uh, well-known pastors and churches on social media. The majority of us know the words to current popular worship songs We'll post Bible verses on our Instagram feed. We'll show up to church on Sundays. 
most of the time. That's a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. We may even serve on the guest services team from time to time. We may drop a couple bucks into the offering. See, in here, in here, we're communicating with a great deal of clarity. But out there, there's a breakdown somewhere that the message is getting lost in translation. And I can't help but wonder. Is it possible that you and I together, that, that unintentionally we've made out following Jesus, we've made it to appear to be something that it's not? And could it be that that's the reason that so many people these days seem to be being turned off by the faith or turned off from the faith rather than being drawn to it? Is it possible that, that what we think we're communicating about being a Christ follower isn't really what we're communicating and that the message isn't entirely clear? Today, we're kicking off a brand new series called DNA, where over the next several weeks, we're going to be taking a look at the core values of Christ Walk Church. And some of you may not even realize that we even have core values, but we do. In fact, there's eight of them. And, and yes, that means eight weeks of messages. We're going to tackle one every week. And I realize that that's a lot longer than most of our message series. Um, but I am going to break it up right in the middle uh, on, uh, with a special message for Pentecost Sunday that's coming up on May 23rd. So go ahead and prepare for that. Um, but but I, I think it's important for us to highlight these core values. And, and I think this is important stuff for us to talk about so that we can be on the same page as a church body um, with, with who we are as a church and, and what the expectations are for those that call Christ Walk Church home. And, and although there's only eight core values, that doesn't mean that there's only eight things worth valuing out there in the world. We limited it to eight because truthfully, if, if everything is important, then nothing is important. And it doesn't mean that maybe other churches who have different or more or less values than we do, that they're somehow wrong and that, that we think that, that we're right. And in fact, it's, it's these particular, this set of eight values, um, they came out of a lot of prayer and seeking the Lord really over the first two and a half, three years of me being the pastor here. So, so please understand that these values, they're not based on the personal preferences of your pastor as the leader of this house, nor are they just placeholders for what we thought would be like cool or, or fun to do or to be. And in fact, each of these values is biblically based. Each of them line up with our overarching discipleship strategy as a church. And each of them are things that I believe that the Lord has placed on my heart for what our identity is to be, for what the identity of this house is to be going forward. And so with that said, we're going to start our series today by talking about our value of Jesus is our message. 
Jesus is our message. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 5. I'm going to read all the way to verse 18. Paul writes this. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Verse 8. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. Verse 13. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. Verse 16. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So I'm going to spend the next few minutes that I have this morning attempting to kind of break down this passage section by section, verse by verse. And, and really, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. I, I think that, that in this passage that we just read there, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 5 through 18, I think there's really kind of two large chunks that I would say are, are two primary indicators to tell if Jesus is your message. Because that's what we want to know. Like as a Christ follower, and if you're not a Christ follower in the house, don't worry because this is a place where, where you don't have to believe to belong. We're so glad that you're here. But you also need to know that as far as I'm concerned, that, that living a life that is surrendered and sold out to Jesus Christ and that is aligned with his word, that that is the very best. In fact, in my mind, it's the only way to live. And so I hope that you'll be open to that this morning. 
But, but as a Christ follower, we want to know, like, am I measuring up? What, what am I communicating to the world around me? And so we have some blind spots that can creep in from time to time. And, and I think that it's with this passage, among others, but with this passage that Paul is addressing some of those things to help us kind of put a mirror up to our lives and see who we are and how we are living and therefore the message that we are communicating to the world around us. So, so I think that, that this passage uh, identifies two primary indicators for us to tell if Jesus is our message. And the first one of those is simply this. If Jesus is your message, the world will see you differently. If Jesus is your message, the world will see you differently. When you surrender your life to Jesus, when you repent of your sin, when you accept him as Savior, there should be overt signs that this has happened. Things should look different than they did before. And the world around you, the people that you are in circles with, they should take notice. We've got a number of couples here in the church that have recently brought a baby into the world or are are going to soon be bringing a baby into the world. And and when a couple comes together and the, the female gets pregnant, there are overt signs that something is different, something is is changing, and then um, uh, that that you can see physically as as the baby begins to grow inside of her, and then you go to these people's homes, and and now all of a sudden there is a, a an entire room of the home dedicated as the nursery, and they put a crib in the nursery, and there's boxes of diapers that begin to collect in the closet and these tiny little versions of big people clothes hanging on this you know this rack inside of the closet and and baby bottles show up in the kitchen cabinets and and there's a car seat in the car and there's stuffed animals and toys piled up in the corner of the living room and and there's there's a high chair in the dining room and and it's very clear That there's something going on inside these people's lives. That something is different. Something has changed. It becomes obvious that there's something different about them. And that's what Paul says uh, as as we start off this passage in verse 5. He says, you see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's there's a, a change that has taken place. But here, you and I, as Christ followers, here we find ourselves in the age of social media. And isn't it ironic that I use my iPhone or my iPad to tell the world what I'm doing, what I have going on, what I'm wearing, what I'm eating, what I think about, what I think about, and, and all of these things. It's I, 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 I. See, let me be clear. You may not be a pastor You may not have a pulpit, but make no mistake, you are preaching something. Just because you're not a pastor doesn't mean that you are not preaching a sermon. We are all preaching a message, but the question is, what is that message? Is our message, hey, everybody, look at me, or is it, hey, everybody, look at Jesus? See, when, when we, we become a Christ follower and Jesus becomes our message, 
then it should be clear to those around us. The world should see us differently that, that our message has shifted from I, I, I to him, him, him. That's what it's about. Paul writes in, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I have ceased to exist. Christ is now living in and through me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a shift that's been taking place, and the world should be able to tell. It's not I who live any longer. It is Christ Jesus who lives in me. He continues on in our original passage in verse 7. He says, we now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. When I read this, I think about that old Sunday school song. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on, everybody, get your finger up, you know. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No! I'm going to let it shine. Won't let Satan it out. I'm going to let it shine. Yeah, you guys get the picture. We're not pointing to self. We're pointing to Jesus, this little light of mine. We're, we're, we're shining. G- Jesus is shining in our lives. It's, it's not about us. It's about him. See, some of us, we've stepped into the light of Jesus Christ. And along the way, we've begun to believe that that light was meant to shine on us and that we are the star. But the light doesn't exist to make us stars. The light exists to reveal our scars. That's what the light is for. Paul writes in Galatians 6, verse 17, he says, For I bear in my body the scars that show that I belong to Jesus. That means that... that Make no mistake about it. When you enter into a relationship with Jesus and you choose him uh, to receive him as Lord of your life and and you surrender your your life to him, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows and roses all the time. Bad stuff is still going to be happening to you. Sacrifice is still going to be required. There's going to be pain. There is going to be difficulty. Maybe other people have told you different. They lied to you. Living a life for Jesus can sometimes be very difficult. It's also very awesome and super rewarding. But we can't get caught up in the lie that, that, that the light of Christ exists to shine on us so that we can be the stars. No, it's to reveal our scars. It's for other people to see the fact that even though we are flawed, even though we are imperfect, that Jesus Christ is still working in and through us. So when people look at us, do they see the vessel? Is, is, is that what they see? Or, or do they see the cracks in the vessel? that expose the treasure that is hidden inside. See, our scars point to how Jesus, the treasure, has worked in our life. 
Let's not get it twisted. The vessel isn't special. I don't care what your kindergarten teacher said. I don't care how many participation ribbons or trophies you have in your room at home. The vessel is not special. We are sinful. We are depraved. We are bound for hell. And if not for Jesus' interaction in our life and because of his love that he lavished on us and and his work on the cross, we are nothing. It's all because of him. The Christian life that we live, it's not about us. It's all about Jesus. It's not about anything that we've done. It's only about what he has done for us. That's it. See, we get it wrong. We fall short. We aren't enough. But we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. We are incapable, but because of Jesus, that is what has made the difference. Paul continues in our original text, our beginning text in in verse 8. He says, we're pressed on every side but troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through our suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that in the life of Jesus, or so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Anybody feeling pressed today? Anybody feeling perplexed, hunted down, knocked down, suffering, speaking to anybody today? When I look over the landscape of just the people that I come in contact with on a daily basis, those that I know and those that I don't, that I just see them out in the world, I see people that are pressed. They are stressed. They are under the pressures of this life. Because it's stressful. It brings pressure. What Paul is saying is that for the Christ follower, that that we, we embrace the pressure. We embrace the stress. We embrace the sacrifice. We embrace the death of Jesus so that when others see our example, they can experience the life of Jesus in return. We embrace his death so that others can experience his life. And make no mistake, the world is watching us. The world is watching to see when we are pressed, when we are perplexed, when we are hunted down, when we are knocked down, when we are under a great deal of stress, and and, and when sacrifice is required, the world is watching to see how Christians are going to respond. And Paul says that, that we're vessels, we're these, these jars of clay. And, and the vessel is what holds the treasure. That when we step into a relationship with Jesus Christ, he, he comes and inhabits our bodies. It is no longer we who live, but it is Christ living through us. And so we have inside of these jars of clay we have this treasure of of the life of jesus christ and so so we're not to bring attention to the vessel but rather to the treasure the idea is that when when the vessel is jarred by the pressures of life 
that some of the treasure will spill out. That when we are under pressure, God's glory should be revealed in and through us. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's what it looks like for Jesus to be our message. Because when you face pressure, here's the deal. Whatever is inside of you is what's going to come out of you in that moment. Think about a tube of toothpaste. Many of you, hopefully all of you, probably had this experience this morning. You got up and you went to the sink and you got your toothbrush and you got the toothpaste. And not one person in this room who participated in this activity this morning was expecting to squeeze that tube of toothpaste and for orange juice to come out. We squeeze the tube of toothpaste and toothpaste comes out because what's on the inside When you put it under pressure is what comes out on the outside. So if Jesus is our message, that means that when the pressures of this world begin to build and encroach upon our life, that the the things that are going to come out of us, are they're not cursing, but instead blessing. It's not complaining, but instead it's praise and thanksgiving. It's not grief, but it's glory. Instead, you see where I'm going, that there should be something different about what comes out of the Christ follower whenever the pressures of the world come upon them. It should look different than just the average Joe walking down the street who isn't surrendered to the Lord. The things that are inside of us are going to come out of us and the world is watching and they're going to say, oh, there's something different about that person and be drawn to this life in Jesus or, oh, yeah, we're the same and they have to get up really early on Sunday and go to church. Nah, I don't want to do any of that. This is what it looks like to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. It's why we exist as a church. The way that we respond when bad stuff happens, when when the difficulties of a life come upon us, the way that we respond can, can, can point people in the direction of Jesus. And ultimately what it does is it gives people hope. That word inspire, it literally means to breathe life into. And simply by the way that you and I respond to adversity when it rears its ugly head in our lives can breathe life and inspiration into someone else who is facing something similar. To inspire people to follow Jesus every day is to realize The obstacles that are placed in our lives by the enemy are actually opportunities for us to point other people in the direction of Jesus Christ. That's it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, Paul writes this. He says, each time God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, in the troubles, the things that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am made strong. It's at our lowest points that God can do his greatest work and that his biggest glory can be revealed in and through us.
So number one, the first indicator as to whether or not Jesus is your message is that the world will see you differently. Number two, if you're taking notes, write this down, you will see the world differently. If Jesus is your message, not only will the world see you differently, you will see the world differently. In fifth grade, I was having trouble seeing the chalkboard in my classroom. No matter where I sat, even if I sat in the front row, everything was just fuzzy. And it was, it was affecting my experience in, in class. And, and even though I was still a good student, the fact that I couldn't see well was causing me to have to work extra hard to overcome that handicap, that difficulty that brought on in my life. And so I can remember when I went to the eye doctor and I got my first pair of glasses for the very first time. I realized that, that in that moment, it wasn't just the, the chalkboard in the classroom that I wasn't seeing clearly. There were so many things that I began to notice at school, at church, around town, in my neighborhood, even inside of my own home. It was like an entirely different world was opened up to me, and I realized things that had been right in front of my face the whole time. All of a sudden, they looked different. They were clear. They had come into focus. Things that I was totally ignorant about a day before were all of a sudden right there in front of me. It was a whole new world, a whole new life. That's what life in Christ does for us. Life in Christ serves as a lens through which we are able to see the world much differently with much greater clarity and focus. And it's here that, that Paul makes this shift as he is admonishing the church at Corinth. We know that he's shifting because he starts out with the word but. He's, so he's, he's closing out this, this first passage and he's shifting over to the next idea. He says, but we continue, there in verse 13, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. And this kind of faith that Paul is talking about is, is unshakable faith in the midst of these circumstances. He's, he's pointing back to the things that he mentioned in that first section, that, that when, we're, when we're pressed and when we're perplexed and when we're hunted down and knocked down and under stress and, and sacrifice is required, that in the midst of all of that, we still have faith. In the, in the midst of, of all of that suffering, we can have faith knowing that Jesus is working on our behalf to deliver us from all of those things. That means for the, for the Christ follower, for the person where, who, who Jesus is their message, that in the middle of marital discord, we can still have faith. In the midst of workplace stress, we can still have faith. In the middle of, of teenage rebellion or, or health issues, we can still have faith. Smack dab in the midst of a financial struggle where there's way more month than there is money. We can have faith that God is a good God and that he has good things in store for his children. And, and that he is, by faith, going to take care of us and going to meet and supply every single one of our needs. It's this kind of faith that, that caused Paul to write these words in Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. 
The truth is today, the situation or circumstance you are facing may seem impossible to you. But Paul's reminder and my reminder this morning is that God is able. God is able to do immeasurably more than you and I could even ask or think. We look at this situation and say, there is no way God is able. God is able. He can just do it, and he will do it. In fact, I think that you need to encourage yourself and remind someone else, turn to your neighbor, turn to somebody, and just look at them in the face and say, God is able. That's how we see the world differently. We realize that God is able to work in spite of all of those circumstances. In spite of all the things that are weighing and dragging us down. God is able. We are not defeated. If we're not dead, then he's not done. Because we serve a God who is able. Amen? Paul continues our original text, verse 15. He says, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That word this points back to all of those struggles that he was talking about in the first part of this passage. Paul is talking about all of this pressure and all of the perplexity and and all of the the knocking down and the hunting down and the sacrifice and the stresses. That's what Paul is talking about. So if, if if you're facing a circumstance like that today, you need to know it's for your benefit because there's purpose in the pressure. There's purpose in the pressure. That's why Paul says it's for your benefit. See, we encounter troubles so that we can experience God's grace. And as we receive God's grace, God receives his glory. That's the purpose. When we come into contact, we come up against those troubles. God lavishes us with his love and his grace. And as we receive his grace, he receives the glory. Paul continues in verse 16, he says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. See, when we put on the lens of life in Christ, we we begin to see things with greater clarity and focus. And and there's a shift that takes place from from the, the, the physical to the spiritual. We no longer have a physical perspective. We take on a spiritual perspective and we're able able to see things through, through the glasses of heaven. It's a much different way to look at life, to view the world. See, check this out. He continues in verse 17. This is my favorite part. He says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet... They will produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. See, our troubles are tiny when compared with God's glory. Paul says they vastly, it vastly outweighs our troubles. I think of like, like a scale and on one side it's, it's an ant and on the other side it's an elephant. Like that's God's glory compared to our troubles. 
it vastly outweighs. Our, our troubles are tiny when compared with God's glory. Our troubles are also temporary when compared with God's glory. Because our troubles are temporary, but God's glory lasts forever. Come on, my Sandlot people. Forever. That's right. God's glory lasts forever. And so Paul finishes out our passage. He says, so we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see will last forever. Church, this is what it means to live for something more. It means that that we're not going to focus on the things that are right in front of us. Instead, we're going to focus on something far greater. It means that we're not going to be concerned about that which is passing away. We're only concerned about those things that are going to last forever. See, for those of us who are in Christ, this world, it's not our home. We are just travelers just passing through on to the next and final destination. I came to tell somebody this morning that what you can see right in front of you, it's not all that there is. There is something so much greater that is still in store. And that's why, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. It's not just a cute or clever saying. It's biblical and it's true. And Jesus even said it himself. John 16, 33 said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. That's the message right there. That's the message right there. The world sees us differently. We see the world differently because we know the message that we live, the message that we proclaim in thought, in word, in deed is that because of Jesus, the best is yet to come. The things that this life has to offer is not all that there is. So much more that we have in store. And we're not living for this world. We're living for eternity and glory with our heavenly father. Jesus said, you're going to have trials. You're going to have sorrows. It's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows, but take heart because I have overcome the world and I have something greater for you. You may be wondering, how did Jesus do it? He did it with this. Through brokenness and sacrifice. That's how he overcame the world. Through brokenness and And sacrifice, that's the message of Jesus. As we prepare to take communion together, close out this message. There's a little cup like this in your seat or one near you. Just grab one of those. If you don't see one, there's probably one laying around somewhere else. Those of you at home, wherever you're watching, feel free to just grab whatever you have on hand. If you'd like to participate in this communion with us. This is the message of Jesus right here. That through brokenness, the bread, and through sacrifice, the juice, you and I can be made whole and be given strength 
strength to conquer sin, strength to conquer death, strength to conquer hell, strength to conquer the grave, and strength to receive and step into everlasting life. As we prepare to come to the table today to receive his body and his blood, I would be remiss without extending an opportunity to anyone in this room, anyone watching with us online. If you're here today, you don't have a relationship with Jesus as Lord and Savior. But today, you would like to enter into that relationship. Before we partake of these elements, I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Invite Jesus into your life and choose to surrender to him as Lord and Savior. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And today I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.